favorite next storyteller. It's next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from Brian Flynn. Brian's story was recorded live on June 24th, 2018 at Denver Zine Fest. The theme of the show was rejected. Hey, everyone. Um, I am a stand-up, and it is uh, very uh, terrifying to not be funny sometimes. Uh, I don't know if there are any other stress eaters in the room. Okay, cool. If you, if you see me tuck into a chocolate cake in a few minutes, you'll, you'll understand what's going on. Um, I, uh, I used to be, up until a few years ago, I used to be about 300 pounds. Um, and I'm also short. I'm like 5'6". And that, just for me, that never, I never enjoyed that. Um, most of my life, I, I just, I never felt comfortable in my body. And this is not this is not a weight loss story because screw that. <laughs> I mean, this this is a story about one of the major ways I got that way, which is how I learned to sort of use eating as a ritual to shut out the world, to reject reality. Um, and like I I grew up surrounded with it. I grew up with the idea that the way I looked wasn't just different, the way I looked was wrong. And that's just what I absorbed all my life. Um, I mean, I also, I stress eat. I also have anxiety disorder. Uh, so not only do I eat when I'm upset, I'm upset most of the time. And if, you are, if you're ever in an argument with someone who believes in intelligent design, call me, because that's just proof right there. But since, since I was a very young child, the only way my parents could get all three of their children to agree to go to church was to promise to take us all out to lunch afterward. Um, I also enjoyed church because I got to see a grown man dressed like a wizard on stage for an hour, which that was kind of tight. Um, so it brought the family together, but my family fought all the time. Uh, my parents argued most nights. I, I have not spoken to my brother in 10 years, that sort of thing. Uh, I really, I feel like I would have lost touch with my family completely if I just had a different place to do my laundry when I was 22. Like that, that year. <laughs> That was like our life raft for me. And I'm glad, but still, it was not the best environment. So even the simple act of deciding on a place to have dinner after church became a conflict. My dad would want burgers. My mom would want tacos. My brother would want to punch a hole in the wall. But for some reason, the one place that always got everyone to stop fighting was the Olive Garden. <laughs> it was my idea, too, because I was like six, and I didn't know what I was and wasn't supposed to like. I just knew people were yelling, but breadsticks made them stop. That's, 
that's how it went like every, every Sunday. And that's the thing about church. They do that every Sunday. I don't know if you, they'd never take a week off. You'd think like one of those days someone would be like, oh, tacos sound good. Today never happened. Instead, one person would suggest one thing, someone would yell something back, and then they would yell, yelling, more yelling, yelling, and then I would finally squeak out Olive Garden from the trunk of the car. <laughs> I rode in the trunk, by the way. It was a station wagon, so it was fine. It was a nice trunk. <laughs> it was actually the best seat, really, in the car. <laughs> but that was every Sunday. The first, time, uh, the first time my parents threatened to get divorced was one of those days. Just loading up, loading up the car after church. It was the first time they even used that word in front of us. And then 10 minutes later, we were passing a salad around. Like, imagine what that does to a child who just wants that fighting to stop. Like, when I... Marinara sauce was magic potion to me at a certain point. And it would have been a great plan. Like, there's one flaw in the plan, which is we had to go home afterward. Olive Garden doesn't let you camp out. That's really their, it's kind of their fault, really. <laughs> so it wasn't, it was not a long-term solution. Uh, my parents, my parents divorced when I was 12, and we ended up, splitting custody of the Olive Garden a little bit, so we were never there at the same time, except um, we were all there for my 14th birthday, which was the first time my mom met my eventual stepmom, and the most pleasant thing that happened that whole evening was I choked on an onion. <laughs> that sort of brought the table together. <laughs> Part of me wonders how well they would have gotten along if I died, but anyway. <laughs> but even then, even the, in the middle of everything that was piling up around us and everything that happened, the place for me was like one of the few islands of calm I had. It was a place where we all pretended to get along. Um, meanwhile, all through my teen years, my parents are having a running argument Really, that's been like their running argument for the past 20 years before that. And things are, things are getting worse and I'm not noticing. Like, um, I, started, I started microwaving bowls of spaghetti sauce and just dunking bread in it. Uh, French bread, so I told myself I was being very European. <laughs> and that's, that's how I got through my teen years. We were... We were at the Olive Garden every Sunday from the time I was six till the time I was 17. We were dependent. Um, I, I was dependent. It was one thing I could count on to normalize my week. Um, but then I got older and I stopped going to church. Uh, so what was like a weekly ritual, and that's what it was because it was like, it eventually went from a decision to something unspoken, something we did because we did it. Uh, kind of like church, actually, a little bit. Except the Olive Garden was usually full. That was the difference. <laughs> um, but I stopped going to church when I'm 17, and it becomes like a once a month thing, something I do to make my mom feel better. 
and I realize I'm at that age when I'm walking away from a lot of the traditions and a lot of the rituals my family had. I go to college, I work on my sneer a little bit, uh, and then I'm 18 and my mom is diagnosed with cancer. And so I'm driving back down every weekend and trying to reestablish those rituals that gave us that, that comfort. Um, and when I'm on my own, most weeknights, I'm eating half a bag of frozen ravioli and not making the connection of why I'm doing that. Um, the, last, the last time I remember being at that Olive Garden uh, was right after my mom died. My dad took my sister and I there, and he, he asked us in, a, in the, very, like, the very loving, solicitous way he has. Uh, he was like, where do you think your mom is right now? Which was maybe not the time to ask it. I hope someplace with tablecloths. I hope she gets that. Um, I don't know if that I, I collapsed after that. I didn't realize it, but I was collapsing mentally, emotionally. Um, this led me to uh, a fifteen thousand dollar act of stress eating. Uh, at the time, I called it going to culinary school. Um, <laughs> now I have a bigger picture. Now I understand a little more. <laughs> it was me seizing the means of production for my own depression. Uh, <laughs> and it, it took a long time for me to realize why I did certain things and why I would always be more susceptible to certain things. And I'm... I feel like I'm in a better mental spot now. Like, I lost weight, but that's, it's easy, like, dieting and stuff helped me down here, but there's no amount of, like, kale smoothies for self-image. They don't do that. Um, but I am in a better place, and I still stress eat. That's still how I cope, uh, but at least I know when I'm doing it. And I realized I, I had this place, and it was it was an island for me. And I felt like it was just my place, my anchor, my thing that made me calm. And I thought it was just me. Uh, and then uh, one of the last times I was home, uh, I was visiting my dad and we were about to go out to dinner and I half jokingly suggested, hey, why don't, why don't we go to the Olive Garden? And he suddenly got very serious and he looked right at me and said, oh, they remodeled it. <laughs> it's not what it used to be. Let's go to Chili's. <laughs> and that's, that's when I realized it wasn't just me. Uh, thank you so much for having me. The Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Robert Rutherford, Karen Wachtel, and Scott Carney. This episode was edited and mixed by Jesse Witten. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumboard Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. 
Our theme music is by Whalehawk, and we'd also like to thank the Milk Blossoms, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. As always, a huge shout out to fans just like you who attend our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumpor Theatre in Denver, Colorado. For more information about the storytellers or the narrators, visit thenarrators.org and find, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>